Hello and welcome to We Love Books. Because here at RTE Junior Headquarters, we absolutely love books and we know you do too. My name is Neve, and we've got a jam-packed show for you today. We've got a top two-minute writing tip from author extraordinaire Dave Rudden to get you started on your own stories. And there's an interview with Anjali Rauf. She wrote The Boy at the Back of the Class. But to get us started, let's hear why you love reading. I love reading because it's really fun and you can enjoy doing it. Like it feels like that you really like the book. I love reading because whenever you read a book, I feel like it's really interesting and you can learn a lot. I love reading because it feels like you go into the book. My brothers, they're going to set up a library and every day that a book is lost, you owe them two euros. But they took that. And um, 50 cent was too cheap. And they were like, they gotta pay their taxes for losing that book. I like reading because you can go on a magical adventure and you can learn lots by reading. That was the girls of third class at the Theresian School talking about why they love reading. Let's hear from some more kids who love reading. It's time for We Love Reviews. Sean tells us all about the book Toffee by Sarah Crossan. The book I'm going to review is called Toffee by Sarah Crossan. It is about a girl named Alison who has run away from home and with nowhere to go. She finds herself hiding out in a shed of what she thinks is an abandoned house but she discovers that an elderly woman named Marla with dementia lives there and she mistakes Alison for an old friend from her past called Toffee. Alison is used to hiding who she really is and trying to be what other people want her to be and so Toffee is who she becomes. After all, it means she has a place to stay and there are worse places she could be. But as their bond grows, Alison discovers how much Marla really needs a friend and she begins to ask herself, where is home, what is family, and most importantly, who is she, really? I like this book because the format it's written in. Instead of being written like a normal book with pages and chapters, it is written in a series of poems. Each poem is about something separately, and when you put them together, it creates one big story. Let's check in with our reviewer, Connor. He read the book The Pavy and the Buffer Girl by Siobhan Dowd. The Pavy and the Buffer Girl by Siobhan Dowd. The story is about a young boy, Jim, and his family who have just moved to Dundray. They're travellers and frequently move about. It begins with Jim starting school. So far, Jim's experiences at school have been tough with frequent brawls and bullying. Unfortunately, school life in Dundray is no different. Jim notices Kit alone in the playground. They become very good friends with Kit teaching how to read and write. They support and help each other. However, trouble is never far away for Jim and his family. This was an enjoyable story, but sad. I had a lot of sympathy for Jim and I really wanted him to defeat the bullies. The book gave me a good insight as to what life for a traveller boy would be like. I would recommend this book. 
Here on We Love Books, we love books with a message, books with a heart, books that are written to put you into another's shoes and make you think about what life is like for other people. Anjali Rauf is an author who was inspired to write The Boy at the Back of the Class after working with families and children in refugee camps in Calais and Dunkirk in France. She also worked with UNHCR, the UN Refugee Agency, and with Children's Books Ireland to support the annual refugee book reading campaign which took place in libraries and in bookshops all across Ireland this summer. I was lucky enough to head along to the launch of the campaign with the students of St Mary's Primary School, Dorset Street in Dublin to hear what they had to say about Anjali's book, The Boy at the Back of the Class. So it was all about a guy who was a refugee kid. His name was Ahmed. He escaped from his country because there was a war in there. So he went over to England and met new friends. He is a shy character, but he's made new friends. Um, Sometimes he has to go on seclusion because he's only learning English. He's from Syria and there's a war in Syria. And the narrator and their friends, Josie, Tom and Michael, they're going to help him. He's always kind to his friends, but he doesn't speak that much English. So there's a translator to help him out with the language. I liked this book. I liked the way that it was like saying that you don't, doesn't matter what you look like or where you're from, we're all the same. And and I liked that the characters all want to be friends with Amit, that he's new. I think this book is about, uh, so it doesn't matter what people think about you and you can just be yourself. And I think you should treat your friends nice and don't be mean to other people. And I think that Amit is like a nice person and then his friends can teach him like loads of English. I think that the lesson is you should treat everybody welcome if they're from a country that's been in a war or bombing. And like those guys are like the really mean bullies so they had to leave everything behind so we had to make them feel welcome with things they know that they can remember their real home. You have to be nice to every person that you meet and to not bully people and treat them the same as your friends treat you and always be kind to them and always play with them and make friends with them. The way that um, like, like the way that when new people joined the school and they were like trying to find out more about them and all and they were like going on interesting things and all and like just the way like it was based on people who were who are from refugee places and all and that's it. The students of St Mary's Primary School talking about how they enjoyed the boy at the back of the class. This is Anjali's very first book and she's already managed to win awards for it, including the Waterstones Children's Book Prize 2019 and the 2019 Blue Peter Award. I chatted to her about what it's like to write her very first book. Anjali, this is your first book. 
Yes, it is. And you wrote it in nine weeks. Yeah. Um, so I was really ill at the time, and it was the first time in my life where I couldn't go to work. I couldn't really do anything. Um, so I was bedbound, and all I could think about was the refugees I'd seen in the camps that I was working in, who weren't as lucky as me, didn't have a mother bringing them hot chocolate and hot water bottles and medicine. Um, and somehow it just came out of me, just flowed. And I know that um, now writing my second book, that nine weeks is a really quick time to turn a book around. Um, but the first draft was such a joy to write. Um, and I think it saved me in a lot of ways as well. That's really interesting. That the, Can you explain a little bit about how books work? So you write a first draft, you think that's all your work done, <laughs> but it's not done. Definitely not. So um, the first draft of the book is very different to the finished product. Um, I have an amazing editor, Lena McCauley, who um, kind of, you know, uh, helped me cut down um, the scenes that were too rambling and made the adventure far more exciting than it was, I think, in the first draft and uh, just made the book what it is today. It's just there's a whole team of people out there who are there to help authors create a book that children will want to read. And um, I think it took about another nine months for the book to become what it is now. So it's a long process to get the book from a first draft to, to a published book. And is there anything that surprised you about writing your first book, about the whole process? I think I was surprised by how long that process actually is. Because you kind of think, oh, I've done this draft and I really love it, and you send it out. And you think, yep, yeah, it's going to get published in like two weeks if you're very lucky. But then going back and forth and realising that actually your voice might not be what it's needed or the action needs to change somehow, um, that can be quite difficult to process. And there are things that you don't want to let go of the story, but you inevitably have to. So that stuff is quite interesting. But it's a joy as well, because it's the dream to have an editor and it's a dream to to create a book that will be published and read. And your own experiences inspired the book. Could you talk about the kind of things that you saw and why you felt inspired? So I've been working in the refugee camps of Kelly and Dunkirk for three and a half years, um, since 2015. Um, and I've just seen the most, um, I mean, the most horrendous situations, but also the most beautiful situations. Just the human spirit to be able to overcome great, you know, things that are out of your control and to be able to make friendships in places where you wouldn't think that anybody could possibly be friends is um, something that was really striking to me. And every time I go out into the camps, I see that in, in motion. I see um, people who can't speak each other's languages, um, don't understand each other, can't understand cultures and, um, you know, uh, situations come together in the most horrendous places to become friends and to help each other through the most toughest times of their lives. It's really beautiful to see. So I wanted to celebrate that in a way. And what is your favourite thing about the whole experience of putting this down in a book? The most enjoyable thing has been meeting the readers, so the kids who have read the book um, and felt inspired to go and do something about it. And I've had kids who have written to the Prime Minister asking um, British policy to be changed, to be uh, kinder to refugees, children who have raised money for other charities that I support. It's been absolutely staggering, and I think I've underestimated kids in my own way because I never thought that this could happen from a book. But to see it happening and to see how hungry children are for knowledge and um, to, to get involved is really beautiful. So that's been the most enjoyable part of this whole adventure. I don't think there's um, a difference in books tackling diff you know, difficult subjects. I mean, I, uh, when I was growing up, I read Secret Garden and Little Women and, um, you know, uh, The uh, Five Children in It and Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, and they all actually hit on quite difficult subjects. I mean, Harry Potter is quite dark as well. It gets darker and darker. So I don't think kids' um, books shy away from dealing with death, dealing with difficult situations, but I think children are now more astute to what's going on in the world and actually how books can relate to those situations and their place in becoming 
becoming activists and becoming mobilised by a book, I think is much more prominent now. So I think for us, um, when we were growing up, we maybe might have heard of refugees and evacuees through history lessons, but for our kids right now, that's that's a part of their daily news. So they will relate to the book in a different way. But I don't think kids' books have ever shied away from difficult subject matters. I just think we're relating to it in a very different way now with our children. And you had kind of a personal story behind the character of Ahmed. Mm. He, um, could you talk a little bit about that? So uh, the book is dedicated to a baby called Rehan. And for me, Rehan was an amazing little baby that I met in the camps of Calais. And when I was writing the book, all I could think about was what was going to happen to him as an older child who'd made it to the UK without anybody to help him. And that, that's the situation with lots of refugee children. They're coming into countries completely on their own, being told that they're not wanted, being told that you know to be a refugee is a horrible thing, it's a disgusting thing. Um, who's going to help them? Who's going to be their friends? So the book is dedicated to, to Rehan and to all refugee children who, like him, might be finding themselves completely alone. But they're not as alone as they think they are. And there's a lot more love for them than they probably realise. And finally, Anjali, what is your dearest hope for this book as it goes out into the world? Um, my dearest hope, I think uh, it's the same hope that all authors have, is that it be read and be read as, by as many children as, and adults as possible. But I think now that I've seen what can happen from the book and seeing children take it in ways that I didn't expect um, that hope has grown into perhaps it being um, a tool that children and adults can use to understand the crisis that we're facing right now and how to be human how to be compassionate how to be filled with empathy for someone that might be completely different from us so it's grown into to great hope and that's really really lovely for any potential authors out there keep writing never ever tell, you know, listen to anybody who tells you you shouldn't be writing and for anybody who thinks they can't be a part of the solution to a problem that they're being told is massive please don't underestimate your own power you have great power to do good um, and it only takes one person to change a whole community so go for it well, if you're totally inspired by listening to Anjali talking about her book, The Boy at the Back of the Class, then maybe it's time you wrote your own. Where to start? Let's hear from someone who knows all about that. Here is writer extraordinaire Dave Rudden with your two-minute writing tip. Hi, I'm Dave Rudden, author of Knights of the Borrowed Dark. This is your two-minute tip on getting inspiration. Start the clock. First things first. When you are a writer, you are in charge. Take a moment, breathe that in. You are in charge. The reason people become writers is so that they can tell the stories that they want to tell. That, and you get to wear pyjamas all day. But if you want to be a writer, the best thing you can do is be selfish. Decide what you like, decide what you don't, stick to one and ignore the other. Because writing is revenge. Have you ever been annoyed at the ending of a book? Maybe you thought the villain wasn't scary enough. Maybe you didn't believe the main character when they burst into tears at the birthday party. Maybe it just didn't convince you it was good. And that's frustrating, but it's also inspiring. When I'm stuck for ideas, my first port of call is the last thing that annoyed me. I think about the stories that let me down or bored me, and I start thinking about how I do my own version how I'd fix it, how I'd make it better. Like a makeover, or that bit just before the end of a superhero film where they redesign their costume to show that they're a new person who's learned things. Maybe you don't like happy endings, so you want to write something super grimdark. Maybe you're bored of dragons and swords and people who talk like this, 
and you want to invent a totally original fantasy world, the likes of which nobody has ever seen. Maybe you want to tell your story because nobody ever has. This is where ideas come from. That spiky feeling of wanting to show the world how it's done. Because nobody has your head. Nobody's brain works exactly like your brain. The second you start thinking about your version of stories is the second you start becoming an author. As what you do with those ideas, well, that's next episode. Okay, 10 seconds left. Here's your challenge. Go get mad about something. Figure out how to fix it and let us know how you get on. See you next time. Dave out. Now it's over to you. Here on We Love Books, we love stories and we especially love stories written by you. Andrew Cleary has put pen to paper for us and has written a story all about a smuggling granddad. And let me tell you, this one is full of action and adventure. Grandpa's Smuggling Secret by Andrew Cleary. It was the first day of the summer holidays and I was sitting peacefully in my bedroom reading a book when suddenly my mum walked in and said, Quickly, pack your bags. I'm sending you away to Ironmore Island where your grandpa lives and you're going to miss the boat if you don't get ready now. What do you mean you're sending me away to grandpa? And also why? I asked alarmed. Listen, since your father died, I've been running low on money, and as your grandpa is quite wealthy, me and him agreed that you could stay with him until I figure something out. How long will it be until I can come home? Just until I figure out a better solution for both of us. Okay, Mom, I answered. I'll go get ready now. Forty minutes later. When we arrived, I still had 20 minutes of spare time before it was time for everybody to get onto the boat, so I walked across the road to Spa to get a couple of snacks for the journey. When I got on the boat, there were only 17 people, but that's only because most people go on holiday around the 12th of July. One hour and 20 minutes later. When we arrived at Aranmore, my grandpa was already waiting for me on the pier. We had dinner at about 8 o'clock and after that I went straight to bed. 12.02am I was sleeping peacefully in my bed when suddenly I woke up to the sound of a boat coming into the shore. Is it not a bit late for that? I thought. I went downstairs to my grandpa's room but he wasn't there. Then, making my final decision, I ran upstairs, put on some jeans, slipped on my coat and without even putting my shoes on, I ran down the hill from the cottage and onto the pier. I hid behind a rock and listened to what was going on. You got all the gold? said one man. Yes, jockey, said another. Then all of a sudden I heard my grandpa's voice. He said, All right, listen up, pals. Since I'm the boss, I get all the gold. Here's 20 euro each for doing your work. I couldn't believe it. My grandpa was the boss of a smuggling group. That's how he's so rich. Quickly, before he caught me, I ran back to the cottage and rang the police. The officers said they'd be there tomorrow morning. The next morning, when the police came, they arrested my grandpa immediately. Then they told me that since I was his grandson, I would inherit all the money. 
I rang my mum immediately and told her everything from start to finish. After I'd finished my story, she told me even better news. She said, I'm coming over to the island right away. Since there's millions of euros, we can live in your grandpa's cottage and we can use the money to get you a better education. And that's how I came from literally broke to rich. Well, that's it from us here at We Love Books. That was our first ever podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I have a ton of people to thank for this podcast. Far too many to mention. But just to say a quick thanks to one or two people who were particularly crucial in getting this podcast made. Huge thanks to Jenny Murray and all her team at Children's Books Ireland. Big thanks to everyone at RTE Junior, especially to Nikki Coughlin and to Louise Toll. Huge thanks to the sound lads. That would be Bren Russell and Mr. Stephen Daly. And a huge thanks to all the amazing kids who read, wrote and reviewed for us. If you've got something you'd like to share with us, if you've got something you'd like to say, or maybe you'd like to do a review, or maybe you just have some thoughts on books, we would love to hear them. Email us with the permission of a parent or guardian to welovebooks at rte.ie. Well, that's a wrap on episode one. Episode two is coming out in a week's time. And until then, happy reading.